and so on and so forth. Someone, if you would, turn to John 20, 30 and 31. First person to get there would just read it for us. Anybody? This is the purpose of John writing the Bible, or writing this gospel. He said that he did many other signs in, in his presence that are not written in this book, but, but these, this book, is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That was his purpose. That was what he wanted to do. You won't find in this, in this book... You won't find any, any references to his childhood. You won't find any references to genealogy. You know, we have the genealogy in Matthew and in Luke. You won't have any of that. There's, there's no account of the teaching of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is mentioned a couple of times in here as a point of reference. Uh, you know, it, it, no Christ temptation, no temptation in the desert, no Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know, no parables, no discourse, commissioning the 12 to go out or the 70 to go out. Um, and, uh, you know, no narrative with respect to casting out demons or healing lepers or feeding the 4,000. Uh, don't even mention the transfiguration or the healing of the epileptic boy. There is, you know, just these things put out for the people, the reader, to come to know who Christ was. And this was John's purpose. John was, as I said earlier, on the, the inner circle of this. He was the one whom Christ loved, according to John. And I uh, always kind of wondered about that, you know. <laughs> maybe, this is, maybe, this is John's, maybe this is John's alter ego saying, you know, hey, I was his favorite. You know, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But anyway... He was, he was, you know, he was the, the, the one whom Jesus loved, the one who, who, you know, sat next to him, the one who argued with who, who should be on the right, can I be on the right, can I take, you know, can I do this, can I, you know, uh, this sort of thing, and, and you know, he, this was him, this was, this was his personality. <clears throat> As I said, he was exiled to Patmos, and, and there he wrote the, the, the Apocalypse, the book of the Revelation, and, and, uh, then he, was, then he was sent back to, to Ephesus. He was the one that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, son, behold your mother. And he, and he indicated Mary. And then he said, woman, behold your son. And in essence, Jesus gave or asked, was asking John or telling John, take care of mama. You know, take care of my mother. And, and John did. John took her to Ephesus. Uh, there's a, there's a house in Ephesus now that, or in, what is it, Gaza, uh, something, it's, it's not called Ephesus because it's a city, it's a ruin, but it's a Ishmir, Ishmir, Turkey, that is, by tradition has it, the house of Mary. It was, was Mary's house when she was there. 
I don't put a lot of faith in all of that stuff. <laughs> I think, you know, some Arab probably sold that to a Christian and said, oh, yeah, this is where Mary stayed. <laughs> you know, jacked up the price a little bit or something. But anyway, tradition has it that that's, that that's where she was, that that's where it was. Um, so anyway, but John, we know, took care of Mary and, and, and was able to, to take care of her until she died. And, uh, and then, of course, later on, John, John died. But this was the, the purpose, again, is that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And this is, this is the purpose of the book. The first chapter, and, and uh, as Tim said, I probably have every verse up here listed, but we're going to look at it and, and just see. We want to see, you know, what he was, what he was saying him. He starts off by, by trying to erase any doubt that, God, that, that Jesus is God, is the Son of God. So if we would just start, somebody just read verse 1 through uh, chapter 1, verse 3 for us. Well, first of, all, first of all, he starts off his book by saying, in the beginning. Well, what does that remind you of? Genesis. In the beginning was the word. The word here that he used was, was logos. And I'm not a Greek scholar. But this, well. I think it's a U, isn't it, isn't it Joel? Uh, O-S. O, oh, yes, okay. Okay. Logos, and that was... The word that he used to, to, to denote the word. This is, you know, this in the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. And that's what he's, you know, that's what he's trying to say or trying to point out there. He said he was in the beginning with God. You know, all things were made through him. Um, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light, and the light, whew, I'm sorry, and the light was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, John describing who Christ was. Number one, he was eternal. In the beginning, you know, there's no doubt. Jesus was not created. He was not begotten. Well, I'm sorry. He was there. He was with God, and he was God. So this is John saying right off the bat, here's the things that are going to happen, but here's, here's the reason that it's, that it's going to happen. Um, someone turn over, if you would, and read 113 for, or 14 for us. And the word became flesh, became man. You know, again, John is making sure that he is clear about, he's writing this book. God was made man. The one in the beginning was made man. 
you know, millennia later, or, or however long, it, I mean, you know, who knows, who can fathom infinity? I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's just something that we can't, our finite minds cannot grasp infinity. But we, we know that, that he was there, and now he, was, he had become man. And we beheld his glory. So it's, like, it's not like, hey, this was a great guy. He was a fantastic teacher. You know, he did a lot of things that we don't understand. It's nothing like that. Paul, John is saying, we beheld his glory. And that's the glory that can only be from the Son of God or from God. And therefore, you know, he was doing So let's go on, if we would. Someone read 4 through 13 for us. He's talking about John the Baptist here, of course, because there was conflict when, when John the Baptist was, was teaching and was preaching. You remember the, the, some, some his disciples came, or, or the John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you the one? Are you the one we're waiting on, or are we going to have another one? You know, or is there going to be somebody else later on? And then there were those who believed that John the Baptist was more the Savior than Jesus was. And John here, who was a disciple of John the Baptist, who was, who was following John the Baptist until Jesus came along, is making sure that we know, you know, John the Baptist. And, and Jesus said this, no other man has ever walked the face of the earth like John, John the Baptist. So it wasn't like he's demeaning John the Baptist here. He is just simply saying the Baptist is not the Christ. And he's making sure that, again, whoever reads this understands that while, the, while the, the importance of the Baptist is not diminished at all, the importance of the Baptist is still and, and was always a foreteller of, of the Christ that's coming. And that was his, that was his purpose. So John is making sure that, uh, that, that everything is, is there, that everything is, you know, that they understand, understand that. And that, that, you know, that this is... That this is just you know fulfillment of of uh, of, uh, of John the Baptist's mission, because the Baptist's mission was to point the way to Christ, and he did. You know, and, and you remember, you remember when Jesus was baptized. What did John the Baptist say? Behold. You know. So, he knew, the Baptist knew, that Jesus was the one. They were cousins, if you remember. You know, you know Mary and, and uh, Elizabeth were cousins, and, and Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. So he, but he knew then that, that his ministry, Jesus' ministry, will increase while mine 
will decrease. But he had already done his, his job. You know, the Baptist had already done his job because that's what he was sent to earth to do. Okay, so let's go on then. How else did John proclaim this? Let's let somebody, if you would, read 15 through 28 in the first chapter. To uh, 28, huh? Okay, so again, John the disciple, the apostle, reiterates John the Baptist's mission from John's own words. Because again, you remember John, uh, the, the disciple was a student of the Baptist. So he, he reiterates these things from John's own lips and, and to try to dispel anything that, that John the Baptist was greater than Jesus or the same as Jesus, because that heresy did not, you know, did not change. Someone jump up, if you would, to, uh, to 49, verse 49, because, again, that, just to reemphasize that, and read that for us. When they had declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Okay. Son of God, King of Israel, John's theme in this book. Let's go on then and, and, and read some more. Let's read 29 through 34, chapter 1. 29 through 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I have said. After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have 
borne witness that this is the Son of God. Okay. Again, reemphasizing a, a couple of things. Number one, that there is only one Christ, that there is only one God, and that John the Baptist is not him, is not the Redeemer, is not the Savior. But he was only there to, to point the way to Christ and to point the way to the Redeemer. Uh, just keep on or go on, if you would, from 35 to 42. So again, one of these disciples, one of the two that were standing there was John. And when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, or when the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, John and Andrew uh, went immediately and followed Jesus. And, and, and that, was, that was the beginning. So these were two of the first ones. And of course, Andrew called his brother in there and said, Hey, you know, come see who I see. You know, come see who we found. And, and, of course, he, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so, the, um, so we, again, we see that, that what John is doing here in the first chapter is, is moving people into, you know, from the eternity to the present. Uh, read 43 through 49 for us. Uh, or did we just read? Yeah, 43 through 49. Okay, so what we have, you know, again, we see the, the coming out, if you would, of, of Jesus. You know, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. You know, Nathanael said to them, How do you know me? And Jesus said, answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under a fig tree. When you were under a fig tree, I saw you. Haven't you always wondered what that fig tree has to do with anything? You know, how did he know? How did Nathaniel know then that this is God, that this is the Son of God, that this, you know, because something happened and, and he said, when you were under that, I saw you and I knew you were there. So anyway, we, we see that Christ is, is, you know, as again, coming from eternity into the present and gathering with him his, his, uh, his, his flock. And finally, in this chapter, somebody would read 50 and 51. Do you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? 
Okay. You know, if we didn't have any other part of this, part of this uh, gospel except that first chapter, it tells a story right there, all of it. God sent his son into the world. The world rejected him, and yet he, he, he lives today so that we can have eternal life, and those that believe in him can have eternal life. This is, a, this is the, the story of our gospel. Now, he emphasized, John emphasizes throughout the chapter, or throughout the book, the kingship uh, of Christ. He, you know, let him, let everyone know that he was fully man and fully God. I used the commentary, there, there are two commentaries. I used Hendrickson's uh, com, uh, commentary primarily as the one that I have. And if you want to, you know, go into it a little bit more, it is in our library. So you can, you know, I, I think Judy brought it back this morning. So, so we, you know, so we're good. I also used a, a commentary by uh, a, a scholar of years past, and it was by the name of Leon Morris. And Morris is a, a, was reformed, and, and of course, you know, but... These are, the two, these are the two ones that I use. Now, the, the, the book is divided <clears throat> into two main parts, and you can, look at your hand, you can look at your handouts there, and if you would, see the, the handouts. And, and we're not going to read all of these, of course. We're just going to take it and, and, and look at it. Two main divisions and seven subdivisions in there. And we're, we're going to take a look and see the story behind each one of them and what we're doing there. But the, it's, it's, it's strange that the book of, or it's, it's maybe, maybe not ironic, but um, follows that the book of the Revelation is the same way. It's two divisions and seven subdivisions. So one carries to the, one carries to the other. In, the, in the, first, um, the, the first one is in, in chapters 1 through 12. We've already seen, we've already gone through, through 12. But in the first six chapters of the, of the gospel, Jesus is proclaimed to be the glorious Son of God. And these things cover, or this, these first six chapters cover about two years in Jesus' life. And, and they say from December, 20, uh, uh, December uh, of 26 to the Passover of 29. Um, you know, these have been derived, and we won't go into how they derived them because it took them. That much of the much of Hendrick's book to explain how all of that came about. Suffice to say, it was about the first six chapters was about two years, or covered about two years of God's uh, of Christ's earthly ministry here. Um, he's proclaimed to be, as I said, the Son of God, the 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 uh, who became flesh, and we've seen that. Uh, the next ones, the next ones are uh, well. I'm sorry, it's on your page here. Uh, chapters 7 through 10, uh, again, these chapters cover the time between approximately October and December of, of 29, the, the, the year later. Um, about three months. It was from the Feast of the Tabernacles to the Feast of, of Dedication. The third subdivision under this first division on the first side here, uh, Jesus reveals himself as God by doing, I mean, miraculous things. 
He raised Lazarus from the dead in this, in this thing. No one can raise Lazarus from the dead except God. And, and, and he did. And he demonstrated the fact, more or less just trying to, I think John's trying to reinforce the first few chapters here because to point out that it, this is impossible unless you are God. And, and, you know, and he's trying to point, trying to show this. The other is his triumphal entry into, uh, into Jerusalem. Um, and that's the, um, that's the final, final section of the first uh, subdivision. So, uh, again, this section takes us to the beginning of the Passion of the last week. In, in Christ's life. So the next 12 verses, 12 chapters, or, or eight chapters, nine chapters, are going to cover the, 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 the passion, death, and, and resurrection of, of Christ. Um, yes, ma'am, please do. Um, uh, chapter John, chapter 12, the very last paragraph is pretty amazing. I mean, it's just sort of like you said, it's, it's Jesus comes to save the world, and it's Jesus crying out. Why don't you read that for us? And... It's kind of long, but mm -hmm. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. Words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, basically the end of the first section, of the first, first part of, of, of the gospel. Emphasizing again, I'm not speaking on my own. I'm speaking from him. If you've seen me, if you know me, you know God. You know the Father. And that's what, you know. And without that, without knowing who Christ is, we cannot know God. And then, you know, that, that's, uh, it's just impossible. Okay? Because they are, they are one. And he even says that later on. Any other comments or questions on that? I know we're going, you know, breakneck speed here, but. Anything? Good. Very good. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate you doing that. All right. Then the second part divides itself into four, or there are four subdivisions basically on it. Chapter 13 pretty well stands alone in, in there. We see the introduction to the upper room discourse, if you would, in chapter 13. Uh, we we see the institution of the of the last the last supper. We see and read the, the conversation between the teacher and his students. We see Jesus, the master, and his disciples. And it's a warm and intimate thing when you think about the day and the time and the situation. Jesus came into into uh, uh, Jerusalem, 
and it was about Passover, so that he immediately knew that he had to do something to take, to get his disciples to, 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 to eat the Passover meal. And it is, as I said, from, from what I understand and what I understand and what I've seen, is, it is a very moving uh, ritual there. But Jesus, but Jesus brought in, he, he gives his first or, or his, uh, his, 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 his the, the new commandment. Over on uh, over in verses uh, see thirty one and on down he says when he had gone out Jesus says now that the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself and glorify Him at once. You know, and, and then He tells them He says I'm I'm going away. He says but where I'm going you cannot come. And He said a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, and also are to you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So again, this is this is the new commandment in Christ that we love one another as He loves us. Now it's impossible for us to love Him as He loves us, or love one another as He loves us, and 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 yet. We're told that this is what this is what we should do. This is what we have to do. Um, so, this this chapter sort of stands by itself as a not a not a uh, a different direction, uh, but a continuation of the same. You know, God made man d- direction for this. Okay, chapters fourteen through seventeen um, again contain the the the. Last Supper discourses and the high priestly prayer. We've seen, you know, we, we, we've talked about the high priestly prayer in, in many, many other things. There have been sermons written on that, on that particular prayer. It is, it is absolutely gorgeous. It is absolutely wonderful. You know, in there he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in him who sent me. You know, you hear this a lot of times at funerals. And things like that, because when that happens, you know, when 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 you're the most upset, is when God's grace becomes more real. When we are weakest, God is strongest, and 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 that's you know, that's just that's just a fact of life. Okay, so he 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 tenderly instructs his disciples uh, in his prayers, in his prayer, and he commits them. To the care of the Father, He gives them that 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 direction or those those directions. Not only is He talking to them in this case, but He's talking to those who are afar off. And we're, and we're not talking about a long way away from Jerusalem. We're talking about a long time away from Jerusalem, reaching even to us. So these are instructions for us as well as as well as His disciples there. And then. Uh, in chapter, in the next is the chapters 18 and 19 describes again the passion of the Lord and, and what he goes through. It describes the act of our Savior dying as a substitute for us and for you, for you personally. You know, someone told me one time, and, and I love this also, that if, if I were the only sinner on the face of the earth, 
if all of you were righteous people and I was the only sinner uh, that were here, Jesus still would have died. Still would have died for me. And that just brought it home to me to, to just, you know, my goodness. Uh, you know, I, I'll die for my children. I'll die for my grandchildren. I'll die for, for my loved ones and so on and so forth. But not for somebody like me. And yet he, he would do that. He did that. So anyway, I'm going on then finally in the last chapters, the last two chapters, and we're about to finish up here, uh, is the resurrection and, and the, you know, the resurrection, because without the resurrection, we had no Savior. Without the resurrection, I, I think, I think um, oh, who was it? I think Paul said it most distinctly. Without the resurrection, we are above all most to be pitied because we believe in someone who's not the Savior. But there was a resurrection. There was a resurrection. And, and, he, sh and he, he showed himself to others, to, to several others in there and, and, you know, to the different people around. And just to prove, again, the grave cannot contain him, cannot hold him. So he was, he, he was you know, John in, in just 20, chapter, or 20 verses there, or 20 chapters there, has taken this and, and gone from Christ of beginning glory, in the beginning, Christ, to in the end, Christ. From glory to glory. <laughs> And, and he's, he's done it, you know, to show that, that Jesus is really who he says he was. And all of the things that happened in there were, were, were trying to take us as, as heathens, you know, and make us understand the message that Christ has for us and had for us. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without all your readings, I promise. <laughs> Any questions or comments or, or anything? It is a, a you know, a beautiful book. Next time I have a class to call, I'm, I'm going to call you and ask you about that. That is good. <laughs> that is really good. Very good. I, I like that analogy about the horizontal and, and vertical. That is, um, that says it right there, you know, and it does. Cindy? Um, you know how you said it's two, like two divisions. The first God comes into the world, sin's world, and then in this chapter, it's about the love, you know, the, 
then I think out of these chapters, the story that kind of goes out, one of them is one of the many, is when Jesus asked Peter in the end, the very chapter, last chapter, if he loves him, and he makes him say it three times. And, you know, Peter has denied him three times, and then he asked that, and, and, you know, that's all been preached about, but it is beautiful how Jesus is kind of like saying, like, you know, the love he has is, is everlasting, is, is so abundant that we need to draw on that abundant yeah. love to do the work on earth that he has for us to do. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, the, the restoration of Peter, basically. Peter denied him, you know, in, in, the, in the upper room, Christ told him, you'll deny me. You'll deny me three times, and and uh, and and Peter said, "No, no, 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 not me, not me. You know, I never do that." And yet, you know, when Peter heard the cock crow, he realized he had. And and yet, Christ didn't give up on him. Christ didn't give up on him. He he, you know, he asked him three times, "Peter, do you love me?" He says, "Yes." Yeah, yeah. And he never gives up on us, and he never gives up on. You know, in our home group, we pray every week uh, for the ones that we love who don't know Christ yet, and and that they would come to know Christ. Uh, we don't list names; we just say, you know, because He knows who they are, and and that's just to me that's, that kind of illustrates this: God won't give up on us, and He hears our prayers, and that's you know, because I know you know Peter felt really bad about that; he he went off and wept, <laughs> you know, and. So, but he restored Peter because Peter was, was sorry. Anything else? Anything else? Anybody? <clears throat> okay, well, then let's just, let's just close, stand if you would, and we'll close in prayer. Ken, would you mind closing this, please, sir? Amen. Thank you.